Good evening. We are back. Episode 46 of Cap and Trade. I am your host, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap or over on YouTube under the Cap and Trade show. We got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, our esteemed colleague, Landry Locker, is running a few minutes behind. He'll hop on here in a few moments. But for now, uh, we'll get started. Appreciate everybody. Uh, Joining the show tonight, listening in, we're over on Twitter Live and YouTube Live. Not going to do, uh, not going to have the the spaces included anymore. So we'll just hopefully get some more folks over here on YouTube to jo- join in with us over here. So if you're listening in, I appreciate it. Got a lot to cover tonight. A lot going on the past week between uh, a tough loss against Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Pro Bowl votes came in this week. We had some uh, roster changeover. Some key rookies going to IR this past weekend. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of rumblings going on concerning Lovey Smith and his job security, Nick Casario and his job security, a lot of discussion on Bryce Young and quarterbacks and what Houston should do at the number one pick. So we've got a ton, ton, ton to get into tonight. Uh, but we'll start off with the, with the, uh, with the game, you know, it was, uh, it was an exciting game. Houston was in, you know, in, in control of that game at various points of the, of the competition and, you know, Kansas city, which we all kind of knew as, as Houston fans, especially with the history with Kansas city, that they were going to try to make a run and try to come back and at which point they did. And that was to be, to be expected, but there was some, some key decisions, I think from this coaching staff, you know, you've got the, the fourth and one in the first half that lovey opted to punt, you know, leaning on his defense. And then they, then they end up going for what 97 yards to, to uh, to get to get the touchdown and get back into the game, but you know I think the one that was really the most glaring decision error was bringing in Jeff Driscoll when they had the ball at the nine yard line and trying to run whatever they were trying to run. He took a, a four yard sack without throwing the ball away when he ran out of bounds, and you know the offense was just churning along there, churning along, doing very well. Davis Mills was in, you know, command for for his part. The, the running game, Royce Freeman was finding some some lanes. They were seemed to be having a little more success running on the outside versus on the interior. But uh, that was just a drive killer. I mean, you kind of, I, I, you know, I don't subscribe to the whole momentum thing per se, but the the offense had a little momentum going there, and to bring in Driscoll like that. And it just killed anything that they had. And it was a waste of a down. And then it put the team back in a uh, second along heading into the end zone. And that, that was just put the, that just put everything behind schedule. And it just really kind of set the offense up for failure. And they were, you know, not able to score there, but it's just another, like we talked about week in week out here, the decisions that this staff makes are just questionable. And this was another one by by Pep Hamilton bringing in bringing in Driscoll. And I, I know we're already getting some some comments on the board. You know, getting way too close to winning. Texans need to lose this game. And I get all that. And I think we're all in agreement that the the team needed to lose. But you know, at that point, 
you, 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 I was willing to accept one more win, right? And I think everybody wanted the one extra win to be against Cleveland. But I don't think – I think this team is in pretty clear running to get the number one pick, even if they would have won against Kansas City. I don't know that they could get another win the back hat in the last three weeks. But I think it's – you know, it was. It, I guess it was just more fun to see them in comp- being competitive in the game. Um, yeah, and and Sam nails it here. When you get that close, you you want to win, and I, I think that's kind of. You know, I always carry the two hats. One is try to be a fan. The other one is try to be an unbiased kind of analyst look at it. And so, but as a fan perspective, you know, it was exciting. It was exciting to see the team competitive in the game, having a shot to win, and. Sometimes that's fun, especially with the season that this team has had with so many blowouts, you know, at the midway point of the season. And now two weeks in a row that they've been competitive against the Dallas Cowboys and now against Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, this is kind of a segue into the whole Lovey Smith discussion. And that's one thing I kind of wanted to talk about tonight was there was a lot of questions, I think, from the fan base, a lot of concern maybe that seeing the team improve and be competitive in these past two games, does it cause Cal McNair and Nick Casario to think, I don't know, maybe we need to keep Lovey for another year. And my answer to that would probably be no. I think I don't, I don't want to say that the decision has already been made, but there's a lot of rumblings out there. A lot of tea leaves out there that point to, this coaching staff getting yet another overhaul and a third head coach in three years coming in in 2023. You know, I got another message today from somebody I trust that kind of pins the odds more of 60, 40, 30, 70, 30, that, uh, that the team moves on from Lovey. Um, you know, as somebody that I, that I trust that, that the things that that person works on, for various people kind of leads me to believe that, you know, what, what he's saying is, is on point that the team is probably going to move on. And, you know, I've talked to a few other people over the weekend and there's some notion out there that the team may have already, may have already um, made a decision. Right. And so I just, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I think it's pretty, pretty clear that this team is going to move on from Lovey. I think the first the first item that we saw that that was a potential was was uh, Cal McNair showing up at the at the uh, at the press conference in Miami. I think that uh, I think that was the first sign. And there was some people that were saying, you know, that he was just there, he was showing his son around, things like that. I, you know that's not something that's normal, especially for an away game. So I think that was the first, the first clue that we had. And then there's some other rumblings going on behind the scenes that from the people I've heard from that, it just gives me clear indication that there's a very real chance that this, that this, uh, this coaching staff gets another overhaul, another change. And I think on the flip side of that, I think Nick Casario's job security is probably safe. And with that, we'll go ahead and bring in Mr. Landry Locker 
finally made it into the show. What's up, sir? What's up, man? How you living? How you living? I- I'm with you. I think they move on from Lovey. If they don't, it's going to be a tough sell. Uh, it makes sense. I don't think it's a surprise. Nobody thought he was the long-term guy. Uh, given the fact that you're probably going to have a quarterback, I think the move on, it's the right move. Um, and I think it's the smart move. And I think it's that's what's going to happen. So I'm, yeah, uh, I think, I'm on it. Yeah, I think uh, unexpected truth comment here about two years of tape on Lovey. You know, I think that's. I mean, there's there's really there's there's 17 seasons as a head coach, yeah. in which he's 30 games under 500, and he's 10 games under 500 as an NFL coach. And there's really no evidence that he has changed the way in which he coaches. Like he he no. coaches Derek Stingley, and, and and I think Seth Payne brought this up the other day. I thought it was a really good point. Um, if you're gonna coach corners the way that Lovey's coaching corners right now just bring in a couple of Steven Nelson's like, don't, don't use a, don't use a draft pick on a man corner like Derek Stingley. And I think it also speaks volumes that Nick Casario drafted Derek Stingley ignoring, you know, systematic fit. So I think the writing's on the wall there and and it's the right play. Yeah. 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 So I was talking about before you, before you hopped on that I talked to one person who does some uh consulting work for folks that look for that are potentially looking for head coaching jobs gm jobs things like that and he's because i think somebody asked him to do a little little research on houston's uh position and their roster and and how they they manage the salary cap things like that kind of led him to believe that houston's heading down that path and you know like we said i think cal showing up in miami at the presser was was one clue this uh you know a few people I talked to this weekend were further clues and then this message tonight was another clue so I think it's just like we always say where there's smoke there's fire and I think I think it's coming there's really no reason to do it at this point versus doing it after the season's over you know you've only got three games left so just let them finish it out and and make the make the change hopefully it's a quick decision and it's not something that hangs out kind of like what we saw last year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm just, I, like you said, there's really no reason to bring him back. He was good for the beginning of the season. He was good for bringing this, bringing this team out of the situation that they were at, but he's not going to go on and move up to the next level. I want somebody who's creative, you know, that's innovative. It's going to bring something, you know, to this defense, to this offense. And you just don't get that with lovey just kind of has that old school mentality. We're going to play this way and we're going to execute and, I think the game has just kind of moved on past that type of mentality, that kind of scheme, that kind of coaching staff. I mean, we even just just past week with the Kansas City game, we, we saw a few variations from what we would see before. You know, we saw a few linebacker blitzes, um, see the team doing a little bit something different. But at the end of the day, the Derek Stingley thing is one piece of one piece of the puzzle that's broken, and his scheme the way that just leaves the middle of the field wide open and not making adjustments for it is just kind of getting just wearing down on on the fan base and there's really no no improvement no light to that end of that tunnel i'm going to judge you more based on what you do when you know there is something to lose you know how you play defense when there is something to lose not when you know it's the final five weeks of the season and you know, maybe you're willing to blitz a little bit more and you're willing to lay it all out there. I think I think you can judge a coach a lot more um, based on how they coach when something is on the line instead of, oh, we're 17-point underdog to the Cowboys or, 
you know, Kansas, although the Cowboys, the end of the game defense was piss poor. Um, the, the final drive, I mean, the, the middle of the field was wide ass open. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not like they've just been, I mean, the defense hasn't been great, uh, to say that it's one of the worst defenses in the league and, and, and personnel has a lot to do with it, but yeah, yeah definitely. Know, I don't there's, see anything, no adjustment, you know, yeah, it, I, it's, it, it's what it's what we know. Like it's it's what we know. It's nothing. It's nothing surprising. Yeah, because I was I was watching, I was watching a couple of videos, and somebody was looking at how Brandon Staley and the Chargers adjusted when they played against Miami, and how they just completely took away the middle of the field, which is where Mike McDaniel's system attacks. That's where Tua has been successful all year was in the middle of the field, and what happened in Houston. They just left the middle of the field wide open, just like we saw at the end with the Dallas comeback drive, and we have we've seen all year long. And it's there's no adjustment to account for that, you know. And if you're limited by personnel, I get it, but I, I just don't see the see the innovation, see the changes, and it's just it's just frustrating. I think it's run its course, and you know, here in probably about three or four weeks, we'll be having continued heavy discussions on on what we want out of a head coach and you already see it out there, you know, Shane, Shane Steichen had his big, big long article in, in sports illustrated with Connor Orr today. And you know, you're starting to starting to see more and more names get, get some publicity. You know, those agents are really working those hard already. Those yeah. Favors. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, that was kind of pretty much how I, pretty much all I had on the Kansas city game. We had talked a little bit about the, the question, the bringing in Driscoll in the red zone there towards the end, just kind of, that was a drive killer. Drive. Yeah. I mean, that was just, that was just a lack of feel. And and I, I credited Pep Hamilton for the way that um, he handled that against Dallas, but there was a shelf life for that. And in that situation, especially with how good Mills looked, taking him off the field in the red zone on first down. I, I said it in the press box immediately. I said, that's, this is stupid. Like this is dumb. And then they run the play, you know, to the left, they lose yards. Mills has to trot back out there and you end up having to kick the field goal. That was just, that was that I don't want to call it dumb because it's not like that big of a deal. But um, to me that, that kind of showed a little bit of a lack of feel. And I think, getting to see what Davis Mills could do in that situation, assuming that, you know, he's probably going to be your backup quarterback next year. I think that's safe to say. Um, I, I thought it would have been more valuable to have seen him. And that, and that's not hindsight. I just, I think, I don't think Pep Hamilton gets enough credit for, you know, cause people are over him and rightfully so, but I, he deserves a lot of credit for the way that he used the two QB system. But at that point he should have realized, okay, this ain't working. It was clear by the end of the first quarter that the two QB system was was not effective. Was not Kansas City had already made the adjustments. They were ready for it, and it was just not effective. You, I mean, Driscoll had less than ten yards rushing in the first half. His, you know, pass attempts were not near as clean as they were against Dallas, and they just they were clear and ready for it. And I think they may still lean on it a little bit. In the last, you know, these last three weeks, but I think for the most part, the the two QB systems probably about done. You might have, a, an a you know, I think the the usage will drop down to maybe like five or six, seven plays a game versus the fifteen to twenty plays a game for for Driscoll at this point, and just put it put it back on Mills and continue that that more traditional approach. 
Yeah. And, and that's what it should be. That's, that's a, that's the evaluation that you really need for, for the whole thing. It, it, the, the Kansas city game though. I mean, it was a good, I mean, that was as good of a result for me as I think you can, uh, you could have had. Um, I did find myself, you know, you, you had that original knot in your stomach that you would have um, in like a meaningful game uh, where winning is like clearly better than losing when, when Mills fumbled. But I mean, I thought other than that, like everything was, everything was smooth. It was Davis Mills best game of the year. Went toe to toe. Kansas City to me is they're 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 frauds. They're absolute frauds. And yes, if you hear squeaking here, my dog. We just opened my dog's stocking, and she is oh, like an early present, huh? She is showing off her uh, her toys. So she's running around with squeaky toys, like hiding them under the bed and stuff. So <laughs> my apologies. No, bro. No, I think I think the last two weeks was has probably been some of Mills's best work. Um, but it, it just begs the question, why does it take a, a benching or a mental reset or whatever you want to call it? Sometimes it'd be like that. What is that what we got to do? Kane Brown. Week? Sometimes it'd you be have like to do that. that every year. If if you bring back Mills next year, what gotta figure out what week we're gonna have to bench him and get the mental reset for him so that he gets back on track. I mean, well, I, I mean, you bench him week one and hopefully you <laughs> yeah. never see him again. Like <laughs> that's all right. Here's when you bench Davis Mills. He starts the final preseason game and then you bench him and then he can have his reset. And if he's called upon after that, then hopefully we get the mental reset out of the way. Yeah, no, that that's, that's definitely the plan, but hopefully, hopefully we're not even having that discussion of, of Mills being the week one starter, you know, or maybe that maybe Spoiler alert, we won't be. Yeah, I, I I think it's pretty – it'll be a it'll be a fun discussion, and that's one thing I wanted to get into tonight. We'll get into it a little bit later on, on uh, Bryce Young and that continued discussion that's happening in the world. But You know what's going to yeah. piss me off about Bryce Young? I went on this rant today. This is what's going to piss me off about Bryce Young. It's going to be Lamar Jackson-like where anytime something happens, the people that are digging in on Bryce Young, no matter what – if he struggles, if he doesn't play well, even if it's clearly not because he's short, it's always going to go back to, see, told you he was too short to oh, be in the yeah. NFL. That's it's like coming. Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson wins a freaking MVP. He's been one of the 15 best players in the NFL for five years. And these people who just dug in for whatever reason, at like just like a crazy, insane level, like anytime he like hurts his hamstring or something like that, or he misses a couple games, while pocket passers are missing games too, it's see, told you that wouldn't last in the NFL. Told you that you, you know it's all. That's what's going to happen with Bryce Young is you, if he struggles, even if it's clearly nothing to do with his height, all you're going to hear is see, told you he was too short to play in the NFL. That's going to drive me freaking nuts. Yeah. No, nah, the yeah Mills. Yeah, what was that? What was that? Ryan brought this up. What? What is? What is? Just play with 10. Why uh, is Davis? That was a waste of player in the field. What are we Dude, doing? I, I mean, don't even send a cornerback out that way. Bring him to the box. It's 11 against 10. My Dude, gosh. That, the Davis that Mills at wide out, like reverse and stuff was like, oh my God. Like what, what are, what are we doing here, Pep? Yeah, no, that was, that was very quiet. I mean, I remember sitting there and I looked over at Aaron. I was like, what is, is Mills out wide? And we're just dumbfounded. And, they continued it on for the first quarter until they realized, oh, maybe we need 11 playmakers on the field and not 
wasting a spot out there. So hopefully we'll definitely won't see that again. Uh, hopefully we don't see the two B two QB system back going anymore, but definitely do not need to see Mr. Davis Mills lined up at wide receiver. Um, you know, for one piece, you know, to segue over to another thing I want to talk about was, you know, the offensive line seemed to perform pretty well. They made a kind of a triage shift. They had Titus Howard at left guard, Charlie Heck starting a right tackle. And that was more of a function of, you know, Kenyon Green being out with the ankle. But instead of bringing in Justin McCray, who's probably worse than Kenyon Green's been playing, put the better player, you know, this was back to let's start our five best players kind of mentality. And Tyus Howard actually played pretty well at left guard compared to his past performances at the position. And I don't know what that's a function of, but, but I hated it still. Like I I still, I still didn't like it, but he did play well, but I still, I still just didn't like it. I talked to Charlie heck in the locker room after the game. You could tell it kind of meant a lot to him to get to play. His dad, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the dad and everything like that. But and, – and Charlie played pretty decent too. Um, but I just don't want to move – you You have really good tackles right now, and Titus is there. I, I don't want to do that um, anymore. I just don't – I don't want to move Titus Howard anymore. No, I don't like that game, but I, I... – It'll be see if we do if they do it again this week. It looks like Kenyon's not going to play again. He wasn't practicing today. Um, I'd be shocked if he's back. So it feels like it's going to be another game of of Titus at left guard. But it seemed like, or at least the notion, a lot of hypothesis at the time was their pass rush. The best pass rusher on Kansas City defense is is uh, Chris Jones on the interior. So let's 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 move Titus inside and have a better shot at blocking blocking the interior which would be kind of the same mentality that you would have against Tennessee with, with their, with their front, their front defensive line. So I feel like unless Kenyon just makes a big turnaround at practice, it shows back up tomorrow. But I mean, he wasn't even dressed just, out at all. Let, I don't, I don't need him. I feel like anything. he's, he's on need the same it. path as, as Pierce yeah. and Stingley. I think I don't, yeah. I'd be shocked if we see him again this year. And it's almost protecting him from himself at this point. Like he's going out, he's he's embarrassing himself quite consistently. And I'm not I'm not trying to be a jerk, but when you watch him, when you watch him play, it's you you almost feel sorry for him. And I don't know if it's health, I don't know if it's technique, I don't know if it's confidence. Like we need to get that young man to the off season so that he can get you know focused for when mini camp comes around. I expect like a body transformation, uh, mental cleansing, um, you know. And yeah, I think, I think fresh uh, start. I think there's some rumblings that you know Kenyon's agents trying to find the best uh, nutritionist and get him on That'd that type of plan in the off season and get him going and kind of get get off of the uh, the the young boy body that he has and start kind of transforming more toward a more modern offensive line body type. Yeah, and I think that will alone help his strength, help his footwork, and then hopefully he can get healthy, get past the ankle issues because he's had that off and on all year long. So, man, it's been a rough, it's, it's a, a, been a rough patch here for the rookie class, you know, between Pierce getting hurt and trying, you know, basically having to hold him down from getting back into the game and, and Stingley's continued injuries when that was kind of a red flag to begin with. And, you know, Hopefully, we just kind of see a re a reboot of this rookie class in twenty twenty three because really it's just left over to Christian Harrison and Katoriano, who are both 
you know, Harris is all over the place. He's still making his some of his mistakes, but that dude is all over the place. And he he's is fast as hell, man. He is, he's fast and he's very line. fundamentally sound. Like he yeah, might make some mistakes sometimes yeah. tackling wise. Uh, he's it's a little bit happen. reckless, but, but as far as like squaring the hips, running, covering ground, he is solid as it gets. He is going to be a ball player i wanted to bring something up to you because you're the one who actually brought this up and then i really just looked at it today and i sent it to i sent it to pendergast and he was dumbfounded by it what's talking about linebackers this is random this is right up this is right this is why you're you and this is like a perfect topic for you since we're since we're on the linebackers okay bro how did Reeves Maben get the contract that he got? That's that's quite possibly one of the worst. Con- Other than Justin, dude, Britt, that I, is one of the worst contracts. They wanted I told him. Sean, last- Sean was like, I thought he was a one year minimum guy. I, no, that, no. that one just like went over my head. Next year, three got, million. Yeah, he got he got a full guaranteed salary, small signing bonus, and he's got a small guarantee next year, and it just. I mean, what I know they wanted. That? I know, and for a and he's not even really that good on special teams, and he's like linebacker number four, five. That one, like for a contract like that, you should be you you should be better than Christian Kirksey, or like or like that same like caliber ish player, maybe even a little bit better. I remember when that that signing happened. Um, Jeff Risden, who covers Detroit, sent me a message. <laughs> He's just like, oh, you're gonna regret that contract when it when you see Reeves Maven on the field. He's got cement boots and he is way past it. And I just maybe that was a maybe that was an Easterby negotiated contract. I, that's the only thing I can think of. But I mean, that was damn. a horrible evaluation. They wanted Dude. him the year before. They tried to sign him the year before before after his rookie deal, and he re-signed with Detroit on a one-year deal. But my gosh, that's. That's one of the worst contracts. Him and Justin Britt were the two worst free agent contracts given out this past year, easily. Dude, and the Reeves Maven is fascinating. I don't know. I mean, his their agent really worked over, really worked over the Texans. Whoever was, uh, who whoever was negotiating the contract, maybe it was Andrew Sinton on his own. I don't know. Unfortunately, we don't know those things, but. Yeah, he's got uh he's got a one point two five million dollar salary guarantee next year. My God, <laughs> fuck, that's ridiculous. I, like, I looked at it and I I sent it to Sean and I didn't like put the name and I go, wow. He goes, whose deal is that? I was like, that's Reeves Maven. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, that was that's, that's a, a bad one. one. That's a, and weird, I, that's a weird, weird, weird one. That's just going to be a, a salary guarantee that they eat next year when they release him, and hopefully he'll sign with somebody else, and they'll offset the money and get some of the credit back in twenty twenty four. But that was just it. Ain't going to be that much money. It ain't all going to be offset. No, I mean hopefully he'll you know find somewhere get the minimum, offset some of that one point two five million, and get back eight or nine hundred thousand credit following year, but. Yeah, I I did when I didn't really know much about him to begin. No, with. I just assumed and, he could play. I just yeah. assumed that oh, this guy's going to be a starting yeah, linebacker. That contract, you're thinking, okay, yeah, he's going to play. And you know, they had him that they brought back Pierre Lewis, Kevin Pierre Lewis, who's reworked his deal, brought back Kirksey, and it was just kind of a hodgepodge of of linebackers. And but the reason Maven, I didn't really know much about him, so that's when I reached out to 
to Jeff and he came and gave me the scoop on it. And I was like, Oh, we're going to regret this. And Wild. sure enough, I mean, through, through preseason, you saw it that, you know, you got undrafted rookies, Jake Hansen getting more play in time than, than Mr. Four, uh, $4 million salary guarantee Jalen Reeves Maven. So that one was rough. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see some better contract signings and not that kind of nonsense next year. But, you know, and, and on that front, while we're talking on contracts and a few, a few people are kind of asking about it, you know, what kind of extension candidates are we looking at on this team? What kind of contract extensions should this team be looking at next year? And I think, I think it's pretty clear at this point, at least in my eyes, the the players that you would be hoping to get back would be Tavier Thomas and Chris yes. Moore. Uh, Tavier Thomas, like we've mentioned before, he was they were going to try to re-sign him at the beginning of the season, and then he got injured, and that kind of kind of put a a halt to that situation. But after about one game, man, he is just already back in form to what we saw last year, and is once again one of the one of the top 10 slot cornerbacks out there. And so I think you definitely try to get him back, re-sign him. And I don't think we're going to see anything before the end of the season. So hopefully they can get a deal knocked out with him before he gets to free agency. And then Chris Moore, they can't re they can't do an extension with Chris Moore right now, just because of the rules that are involved with the veteran salary benefit contract that Chris Moore is on. They can do it after the regular season's over, but they can't do it in season. But I think, he has shown enough and his additional play in time these past few weeks to, to earn a spot back on this roster and, and compete and should be very good depth at, at a minimum, you know, at least for this roster, for this wide receiver core going into the next season. Um, hopefully, you know, it probably is just another one year deal two year deal. If you really want to get a lot of fluff with it, but probably another one year deal, but, a little bit, a little bit more juice to it than what he got this past year. I think he's earned that. I think he's earned that two and a half, three million dollar contract next year, with a with a small, you know, one or two million dollar guarantee in there. He's on the veteran minimum this year with one hundred fifty thousand guarantee. So, I think he's worth. I think that would be the two players that that are p- that are pending free agents that you would want to bring back on new deals. I have a couple more. I, yeah, I think Tremont right. Smith and Jonathan Owens um, are guys that I would look at too. I think yeah, Jonathan Smith's been a kind of a revelation at, at cornerback. I really didn't see that coming from him playing this well, especially at his size. You know, he's been a very good special teams guy. And sorry to cut you off, but no, he's you know he didn't have any defensive snaps leading up to the Dallas game, and so he's played really well. Three, you know, what three interceptions now and. Yeah, that's kind of been a, a a nice nice thing to see from him. Yeah, I, I'm with you on more. I'm with you on Tavier Thomas. I would throw Tremont Smith in there. I think Jonathan Owens is a good depth guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Wifey loves the city too. So I, I think Owens. Um, I mean, look, is it ideal for him to be starting at safety? Probably not. But I, I think he's a, I think he's a good guy to have around. I think he's good. And I also think it's different because he's not a free agent, but Laramie Tunsil, by the way, on in the loop tomorrow, doesn't even do podium stuff. He's going to be doing uh, the show tomorrow, probably in the noon hour. Um, He's definitely getting an extension in the off season. Like you, you can book that. Yeah. You see, um, you see Mr. Aaron Wilson kind of really hyping him up the last man. He's got to sneak that Tunsil question into every presser, doesn't he? But uh, yeah, I think, you know, Tunsil doesn't have an agent. He's got a consulting group. It's, 
I think it's the same folks that were helping uh, DeAndre Hopkins out on his his contract with with Arizona and that that group. I think helped out Bobby Wagner and a couple other players. But uh, yeah, he's got all the leverage as when it comes to Tunsil and and a potential extension. He's got all the leverage in this one. And when I say that, what I mean is, is you know, his contract, his his the back-to-back restructures that we've seen from Casario to free up cap space has got, has ballooned the last year of his contract with a cap figure of a little over 35 million, which that's that kind of number, that kind of percentage of your cap you reserve for a quarterback and to have your left tackle having that kind of salary cap. So that puts them in a position, you either trade or extend and you don't want to trade him. He's, he just got voted to be a starter of the Pro Bowl. He's shooting. He's really been harping on the All Pro uh, honors later this year. He's been really working hard towards that. But I think, I think trade is not really something you want to go down that path. I think you. He's one of those foundation type players, and he's already mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to look at something like a what two year deal. I think he mentioned something like that. He's being a very smart business guy when it comes to contracts, aiming for those short term deals, not those three or four or five year deals that can kind of lock the player in. So I think as soon as the season's over, they'll start putting numbers together. He's going to come in super high, just like he did on the last extension, but he will become the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL book it by, uh, by the start of next season. I think it's very clear that's going to happen. I think the part that's going to be interesting to me is the timing of it. Do they do it prior to free agency so that they free up some of that cap cap dollars to to spread to other players during free agency, or do they get through free agency and do the extension in, in the summertime and then use that free cap dollars to roll over into 2024? That would be the probably the in, more interesting point for me at this, besides the, besides the structure and the numbers involved. I want to ask you this, because this is a question that really only you can answer. Uh, you're, you're the, you're the person that could answer this the best. Um, I talk, we talk about, you know, potential trust issues with Nick Casario um, from a, from a personnel standpoint, how much do you trust Nick Casario and his staff cap wise? I think they've made some mistakes, uh, some missteps, some, you know, bad judgment calls. They've done some wonky contracts. They did a few, wonky contracts right there at the end of the preseason before the regular season started that cost them a few cap dollars for no reason whatsoever. And I don't know if that's a function of Easterby being over that process. I don't know how heavily involved Casario was, but it just seems like a very slim department for that, for that area. Um, You know, Andrew, uh, Andrew Brown is kind of, the if you wanted to compare, I think he he would he's kind of got that Chris Olson role. He does he did all the rookie contract negotiations, and I think some of the lower level veteran contract negotiations. So I'm kind of curious if Casario is going to get more involved, or if maybe he was involved in the bigger deals. I don't know. That's the the piece that is kind of the unknown for me. But based on their past history. I've got a few concerns, you know, like the Reeves Maven deal was kind of one of them, but I just don't know who negotiated those contracts. If Casario is going to take more of a heavy hand this go around, I think I'd feel a little bit better, 
but their valuations in some aspects are just seems to be a little bit off. And, but we haven't seen him really sign a big, big deal, right? We haven't seen any marquee free agent deals, no big extensions beyond the, the cooks deal. And we kind of seen how that's working out, unfortunately. So I, I think there should be a little bit of ca- cause for concern. We'll just have to wait and see how this next free agency period, but I'm not fully confident. I'm, I'm, like 50 60 percent confidence if i had to put a number on it but i do have concerns for sure i I was just curious because you're the you're the one that can answer that question so you know yeah i I mean he's you know it'd be i I haven't been able to really get a feel for the type of i mean there have been some weird things like if you look at the dead cap and you see that marcus cannon's getting you know five mil or you see that shaq lawson is and and that could even be just as much about evaluation of players uh, as cap, although they did year. push some of that back. So yeah, they did some some weird restructures, and I didn't understand some of the restructures that they did the first year. Um, they kind of really got up against the cap, and that's when they started doing the Zach Cunningham restructure and the Shaq Lawson restructure, and I just didn't understand shifting that much money forward because we. Or at least I knew the cap wasn't going to grow that hard that that much in 2022, and it's it's going to grow a little bit in 2023. I think 2024 is going to be the big spike. The you league to get does, that YouTube bread, baby. Yeah, you NFL doesn't like big dramatic jumps year to year. They kind of will feather it out to where it's kind of a staggered increase year to year. But yeah, the YouTube deal that there was supposed to be a salary cap projection released at the uh, last NFL owners meetings last week, but that was nipped in the butt because they still didn't have the Sunday ticket uh, situation sorted out. You know, it looked like Apple backed out. They wanted to, uh, I was excited because I have a, we have all the Apple devices and all that stuff here. And, and I subscribed to their Apple plus thing. And it sounded like Apple wanted to roll it in to the Apple Apple Plus program, which would have been a huge savings for me. I've never subscribed to the Sunday ticket, but it sounds like they got they NFL did not want Apple doing that. And so YouTube's going to get on that. And it sounds like the price is going to be similar to what folks paid last year. So but it's good to get that done. So hopefully we'll maybe start seeing some leaks on salary cap projections for the next year. I'm I'm still going to kind of hold still hold on my two two twenty-five number. Sorry to go off on a little tangent there. No, 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 no. That's, think, it's perfect, I, man. That's that's, think, what, that's your expertise right there. But I think back to the original question. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of concern. Just I want to see how he handles, and he's going to have. I mean, we saw the Cooks deal, but he's going to have the Tunsil situation to deal with. He's going to have the Titus Howard situation to deal with, and he's he going to have, have to deal with that though this off season. Right? He doesn't have to, but if the team is really sold on him. You know, his cap number, I think, is $13 million next year. So that if they needed some more cap space and they were sold on him, they could do the extension, but they certainly don't have to. I mean, it's fully guaranteed next year. They can just ride it out and wait to see what happens if he's really the guy that they want to put at right tackle. It, it would be a heck of an investment to to do two extensions at the, same, two tackles. At the same year Especially with, with two your tackles. two offensive – yeah, with your offensive tackles. That's a – you know, you're talking about committing – you know, seventy, eighty million dollars guarantee between the two players. So that's a that's a big, big investment. But you know, you have one rookie, one quarterback on a rookie deal, potentially a second quarterback on a rookie deal, and you know, you can shift those, you can reallocate those cap dollars elsewhere. But I think 
this is going to be the offseason where we can really evaluate Casario from a contract perspective. And like I said, there's been some missteps before, but now that we have some big, big potential deals on the horizon, some available cap dollars to spend, and maybe he bring, you know, actually signs a big name in free agency this offseason. I think that's going to give us a real, a real good read on on Casario and how he's going to manage this situation going forward now that Easter B is kind of out of the picture. Oh man. The other oh. thing about it is I don't, you know, I don't, you know, the 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 last two years have just been so weird that there, there's going to be different approaches in many angles. There's, there's probably going to be different approaches contract-wise. There's probably going to be different approaches maybe even evaluation-wise. Like, I don't anticipate, like, Rex Burkhead being here for when games actually matter. Like, uh, uh, you know. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe we'll learn more about Casario as stuff goes on and kind of just the mindset changes a little bit. Yeah, and um, I, do, I do think Casario's job is safe, too. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, think I mean, yeah, that, probably so. I, th- you know, we'll. I think he's gonna hope. Well, hopefully, Casario. This will be his opportunity to pick the head coach. I think, and I think his job is clearly safe. And you know, we'll see a new, a new staff in there. I, I just, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on Andrew Brown or anything like that. I just feel like they need more manpower, more staff. You think he needs and, more help? in that salary cap department. Yeah, I think they do. I think they need a little bit of help. Um, you know, I thought there was rumors right when Casario was hired, there was rumors that he was going to bring uh, one of the football admin guys over from New England. And I don't know why it didn't happen or, or what, but I was told that was happening, but it never did happen. So it just, I, I also get the notion that Casario is kind of one of those, like, I'll just do it myself. You know, you think he's an, I got this guy. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's very much a. Mm. I'll. I'd rather it get done right. I'll do it myself, kind of thing. I don't mm, mm, like mm. a big delegator to me, but maybe I'm. Maybe I'm misreading that. Mm, mm, mm. Another, I got this guy, huh? What? What? You think I'm wrong on that, or no? I don't. I. I mean, you don't really have a take on it. <laughs> no, I just. I just know that Bill O'Brien was the ultimate. I got this guy, and yeah. I just don't like. I got this guy's kind of make me nervous. Now there are guys who say I got this, and they actually got it. But you know, going from Tennessee's the ultimate, I got this guy to that, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, Tennessee's about to know? get a taste of that with Rabel up there. So I, I mean, I think I think you um, I, I I think being like. I think a healthy amount of nervousness is appropriate for Nick Casario. You know, like, I don't, I don't think like anyone should be like completely out on him. I don't think anyone should be like completely in on him. Um, I I think a healthy amount of nervousness and a healthy amount of skepticism is, is, is a good thing in this situation, given everything that we've been through. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at with Nick. Um, I've, I've talked about like some of the stuff that he has said and done that I just kind of, okay. But I think healthy skepticism is appropriate. I think it's appropriate for yep. sure. Definitely. Um, yeah, no, so I appreciate everybody listening in. Uh, you know, over here on YouTube, got a lot of a lot of comments coming in. Keep throwing them up on the board. We'll get to as much stuff as we can tonight. And I do have a few other questions from uh, Twitter that folks that sent me earlier this morning. But I got a kind of a different different topic I wanted to dive into. So this, you know, this weekend there was, you and I were talking at the game and we were talking about Bryce Young and NIL money and if that might change anything with his path. And it kind of 
kind of wanted to play the what if game. And what if Uh-oh. what if Bryce Young goes back? Not, yeah, does not declare for the draft. I mean, the deadline, I think, what is January 13th, 19th, something like that. He's going to play in the bowl game. Uh, Will Anderson is going to play in the bowl game. And, you know, I don't really know what to read into that if it's more of a I, – I don't think – I don't think any GMs or coaches at this point would knock a player for not playing in the bowl game, but it's also probably a plus if they, you know, from a character standpoint, that's what I, that's what I think. I think, I think they, I don't think they blame you for not playing, but I think that they're, it can only like, it can only do good for the, for your outlook. Like no one's going to, no one's going to frown upon someone for not doing it. But when you do it, I, I could see that, to me, seems like something that would go a long way with like the Casario. Yeah, uh, definitely. And we, I, we, I, I feel like that's like the kind of like act that they like. Yeah, and you you definitely likes poaching from that Alabama, you know, player pool with Mechie and and, and Harris's past draft. So, but what if what if what if Bryce Young went back? I mean, I like I, I've I've been clear on the I've been clear on the Bryce Young train. I'm not deviating from it. I'm not big on Stroud. I'm not big on Levis. I don't want to play the project game with Anthony Anthony Richardson. I don't think this roster is in a a position to go down that path. Um, and I'm not bit, I'm not into the wait for Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams or Drake May game for 2024. So, what happens if Bryce Young goes back? What does Houston do? I think at that point it's clear you either auction off that number one pick or you just go with Will Anderson and uh, you know try to build around it. Maybe look, you know, hopefully you you would have known before free agency started on Bryce Young's decision. So maybe you look at a, a bridge option in free agency, you know, like a Jimmy Garoppolo, or you know maybe facilitate a trade for some other players. Because I think we're going to see a little bit of a quarterback shuffle. Again, this year, I think there's probably going to be three or four players on the move. And so kind of wanted to get your take on how would you, because you've been on the Bryce Young thing as well, like how would you reassess the situation for this team if Bryce Young went back to college? Man, um, I see, I don't think Bryce Young's like some can't miss generational guy. I just think he's the best guy by far. And I think there's potential that he's good. And I also think there is not as much risk as there typically is when you take someone number one, given all the draft equity you have and given the fact that he would be an upgrade and he would excite the fan base, which I think matters, which I think they need. Um, I don't know how much they like Will Levis. I'm skeptical. There's a lot of people falling in love with Will Levis, but if they liked Levis and they wanted to go Levis, then I would be okay. It really wouldn't shock me if they liked Levis more than young. I mean, like, wouldn't shock me. Um, but damn, if, if it's not Bryce, I, I would be open to Carter. I would be open to Anderson. I would be open to Levis. I, I really all bets are off at that point. How much money do you think from an NIL standpoint is on the table for Bryce Young? I think he could make like 8 million. Uh, close to close to 10 i think uh at alabama um he's already got the dr pepper deal um he's got some other deals i think i think eventually you'll get to where players of his caliber at schools like that can make 
closer to 10 million than five. And then I think it's only going to go up. So, you know, if you're going to, if you can make eight, 10 million, you can stay in school, develop your craft and stuff, and then come out afterwards and get the, get the rookie deal. It's that, but I, I would say like a Bryce Young could make like eight mil, maybe more. Okay. I mean, you yeah, yeah. does that seem right to you, or? Yeah, no, I think it's very easily anywhere from seven to ten million, and I kind of wanted to. I'll throw up a throw up something here on the screen, like because Will Levis can't do that, like at Kentucky, like Kentucky, maybe in basketball he could. I don't, I don't think I don't think the football pro, and I know Mike Stoops will probably cry about that. Uh, just like when John Calipari said it's a basketball school, like I mean, yeah. <laughs> how that offended uh, Stoops is hilarious. Or Mark Stoops, my bad. I'm mixing up my yep. Stoops brothers. Um, I'll give the folks a little peek behind the curtain here with this document. So throw this up here. So okay, here we go. Um, so this is the draft signal. This is when you see when uh, draft picks are signing after the draft in May, June, and you see all the the beat writers, media guys, local and, and national, they're just spouting off contract numbers. They're, they're pulling from this document and this is distributed out to the agents and stuff. And so what I wanted to look at here was the first round pick. I know it's real small font, but Travion Walker, his deal was 37 million this past year. And, with it being a $24 million signing bonus with a minimum salary the first year. So he was at, what is that? That's right at 25 million year one for the number one overall draft pick. So good money that, you know, yeah, that's a big difference. The threat of injury, you know, there's, unless it's like an Achilles or something, there's, you know, players come back from ACLs and things like that. So that that's the big evaluation change is, 10, 8 million in NIL, stay back for another year, try to go after that championship or $25 million year one guaranteed. Here's where it gets, here's where it gets real interesting though, um, is go, go back to that and go to like, go from like one to five, go, go back, go back to, uh, to Walker and then go from like one to five, like number one overall to, yeah, to five. So so let's go to five. Yeah. So Thibodeau, Thibodeau. So Thibodeau got 19, 19, that's a million. So his bill was 31 million total. So that's about that. That's about a five mil difference. Yeah. Um, so the thing with Bryce Young, if he was going to make this decision is it's not necessarily, you know, a given that he would be the number one pick next year. As a matter of fact, it would probably be a lot more difficult to be yeah. the number one pick next year than that's another point I wanted to get to. Yeah. This year, because you're going to have to compete with the other two guys who many people believe that if they were in this draft, they would be maybe the top two guys uh, taken. So if you're not, you know, one of the top two quarterbacks and then you factor in that, you know, some of these teams that are going to be crappy um, might have their quarterback by that point. You know, you it, it's not too crazy to think that Bryce Young, like what's Garrett Wilson right there? Like Bryce Young could fall to 10. He could fall in like 10, 11 range uh, in next year's draft. Um, yeah, and I think it could. He could. I mean, he could still be number one, but yes, he could, but he could fall million. down. So that's that's what a $17 million drop just yeah. down to pick 10. 
Yeah. So that's, that's the other thing he's got to take into account. And I, I know some people will say, well, then this is why I want to wait for the next quarterback. No, just stop. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's, let's it's, just it's, stop. that's, it's just become a, a really interesting discussion point. I like you, I saw, you know, your guy, B. John Robinson declared, but I saw like Blake Corum said he's 50, 50 on the deal on returning or, or going to the draft. And I think he's definitely a player that will be evaluating the NIL versus rookie money. Um, like you know, second he, and third round picks, like it's yeah, almost that's, a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Like because if you're if, if Corum was a a mid second round pick, you know you're looking at a deal that's worth four years, seven point five million dollars. So stay. less than two less than two million a year, and you, he could probably get close to that that number alone in NIL back up in Michigan, staying back another year. You know, or probably four or five million. So I think that's going to be. There's been that discussion point, and I think other folks are looking at the the quarterbacks that would go day two, day three in the draft. Do they that are underclassmen? They can make more money going back to NIL, and I think I think just the whole thing is really really fun and making a really really interesting discussion point for these players. And it, yeah, it's great to see. I mean, it's and it's really, good for them. Man. Yeah, like, definitely, it's good for but them. The, like the second round running backs, like the the whole thing, like. And and you know how I am with running backs. Like I feel for them. Um, I understand the business side, but I feel for them. But if you're a running back, like that's going to go second round. Um, damn. I mean, they they value running backs in. Pacey, uh, hey, chill out. They value running backs in uh, in college. You know, I mean, yeah. that's that's the big man on campus. So. You know, they, they might not value you in the NFL, but in college, hell, if you're making a few million dollars to be the big man on campus and then you're coming back, can't turn that down. Yeah. No, I, it's just a, a fun discussion point that kind of you're pretty much kind of on the same same train, same line of thinking as I am, because, you know, it, you just if, if Young is going to declare, you've got to take him overall, number one, because I really think there it would be very easy to get too cute and try to take another player at 1.1 overall and then trade back up. Cause I think you get in those picks six, seven, eight, nine, that's where the Carolinas, the Atlanta Falcons, the Indianapolis Colts, that's where those teams are going to be sitting and they're all going to be looking at quarterbacks. So if, if Bryce Young declares, I th- just don't get cute with it. Take him number one overall and, and move forward. Um, I think, you still hang on to Davis Mills. I saw uh, PFF put uh, some potential trade scenarios out there with quarterbacks. What are you going to get for Mills? Let me see what he. Let me see what, what like Brad a fifth. I, let me see what Brad wrote. Come on. It was it was a little aggressive for my thinking. It was a little aggressive for my thinking. Let's see here. Scrolling, scrolling. All right. Davis Mills to the New Orleans Saints. Saints send a 2023 six-rounder and a 2025 third-rounder. So, wow, way out there in the future for that third-rounder. Yeah, let's stop. I think Mills has way too much value as a backup, especially on a rookie contract. I think that's just way too much value to, to trade that. I th- there's just no reason to. So, But, yeah, man – 
Yeah, that's that's about all I had for the Texans. It was a crazy weekend of football, though. Probably I mean, the wildest. Probably the wildest in the, the year. Between the New England game, which, <laughs> I mean, I have some friends that are New England Patriots fans, and whew, they were just, they were hurt over that. I don't know what, that, and that's just very uncommon for a, a Belichick coach team to make that kind of major mistake at the end of a game. And then the Minnesota Vikings completing the greatest comeback in history of football with that big old collapse with the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, it it was just a, a wild weekend. And I don't know. I'm Did you see we the have... Orlovsky stats on New England's offense and just how predictable it is? Did you catch it? I was watching NFL Live today. I don't know if he tweeted it, but he said it on NFL Live, and I actually, like, put it in my phone. Um, the uh, – so the New England Patriots, when they're under center, when they were under center on Sunday, because Orlovsky said it's the most predictable offense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They were they were under center 23 times. You know how many times they ran the ball in those 23 times under center? Don't tell me 23. 22. <laughs> they were in shotgun 34 times. You know how many times they passed when they were in shotgun? Uh, 31%. 72% of the time under center, they've run the ball, and 77% of the time when they're in shotgun, they've passed it. That's what happens when you make Matt Patricia your offensive coordinator. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's and you see Mac Jones, it seems like he's screaming at him. I've never seen him that mad. Every uh every every opportunity they get. I was trying to see if if I could pull the same stats for Houston under that kind of stuff. I'd have to, I'd have to download some data and and do it. I found a new, new, new stats website. I've been just fascinated by it. Um, yeah, and then one other thing with the league that I wanted to get your take on before we dive into some of the Q and A from from the folks that have been patiently, patiently waiting for us to get to their questions. So the NFL is considering moving the trade deadline back one or two weeks. Would you be in favor of that? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, teams have been more willing to make trades. Yeah, we had um, 10, 10 on, on trade day, trade deadline day this year, which was one of the highest ever. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm very in favor of that. Uh, the, 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 the more active you make the trade deadline, the better. Uh, it used to be dead. Now you get some sort of action. I, I'm very much in favor, more, more of a window, more time. Plus, the other thing about the NFL is like, it's there's teams that emerge like from over a two week period to where, you know, things happen, injuries happen. Maybe a team gets more desperate uh, stuff shapes up to where teams that you don't even anticipate being in the playoff mix, like Jacksonville right now um, they get in the mix. So maybe they'll be willing to make trades. So yeah, move it back for sure. And I I think I heard, uh, I heard Casario asked about this. And I, and I think he seemed kind of open to it too. Oh, he good. needed he needed two weeks. He needed two weeks to trade cooks. Who, by the way, he apparently looking great game. in practice. He's doing more. Yeah, I was. I was. It really sounded like he was going to try to run off the clock to the end of the season. But he's been getting Wednesdays off all year long, and he was practicing today. And appears that you know he practiced all last week, and they he ended up being a scratch. But seems to be moving even better. So maybe we might see 
some Cooks action his last few few games of the season. For what? I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it's, I don't know. But you know, Chris, Chris, just keep throwing to Chris Moore. He's having a good time. He's hurt though. Mario, he's got the hurt yeah, foot. he's got his hurt foot, which is probably what what's his, what's bringing up the uh, Cook scene because I think Jalen Camp is at his max uh, elevations. I don't think they would be able to elevate him anymore, and so they did have to bring up johnny johnson or somebody else off of off the practice squad or sign camp and i don't know i think they're just going to triage that 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 position group for the hell they only had three on sunday was it three i think they only had three active receivers on sunday i thought they brought somebody up too oh no that's right they brought up shrek they ran uh and then they sat oj howard so they ran a bunch of tight ends out there as well yeah. Well, let's uh let's see what some of the questions are out there from our from our lovely listeners. Um if you got any questions that we haven't hit on yet, any topics or anything, throw them up on the board. We'll try to get to as much as we can. Let's see here. So Sam was talking about last few years I've wanted a different head coach, Bienemy Flores, now D'Amico. Well, you dodged a bullet on the first two. Yeah, man. No, I think D'Amico I think D'Amico is definitely going to be at the top of the list. There was one report that uh, – no, it wasn't a report. Fowler reported that uh, Jonathan Gannon was at the top of Casario's list, reportedly. Okay. And then I, – I sent a I'm sure Casario to, loves that report, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he hates that kind of stuff. Because I, um, I don't think it's true. I don't think he has a, a top list right now, although I, th- I, I do think not. he likes Gannon. Yeah, I think Gannon and then the, I talked to another national guy and, and he said that D'Amico is likely at the top of Casario's list. So I think... I like D'Amico. D'Amico's the guy. Yeah, I think D'Amico is going to be the guy. I think if Gannon is interested in, in interviewing with the team again and hopefully he doesn't have a bad taste in his mouth from what happened this last go-around, um, I think those are probably going to be probably the top two popular ones and then Shane Steichen... We talked, you know, talked about his big article in, in Sports Sports Illustrated. If you want to go read that, it's a really good read on him. A lot it's of background. PR. Yeah, PR. definitely. The agents are in full swing already. Um, yeah, I think those are going to be the popular names out there. And then um, somebody mentioned it, and here it is. Yeah, Marvin Lewis threw his hat back in the ring today. He was <laughs> on, uh, I can't remember whose podcast, but said that he wanted to get back in. Oh, and it's what he was with Adam Schefter, as uh, Truth says here. Um, yeah, he I, – I know. I like Marvin mean. a lot, man. Yeah, like, he's a great mean. guy. He did a good job. Like, and, and Cincinnati was very patient with him, and they allowed him to do his thing. So, I'm, I, I have the utmost respect for Marvin Lewis. Um, but, no. No, thank you. Yeah, and this is why I love the uh that's why I love the comment board. So we get a uh, nobody wants Gan- nobody wants Gannon followed by Nick would go to bat for Gannon. So <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of difference of opinion out there, but I think those are I don't gonna- think Gannon would excite a lot of people. I mean, no. uh, I don't think I don't think it'd be like uh there wouldn't be a parade. I mean, there's there's in- there's intrigue, there's there's some good stuff there. Yeah. Um and he seems to know what he's doing, although I think Howie Roseman deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what's going on in Philadelphia. Yep. But as far as like just getting people pumped up, that's not going to happen with Gannon. It's just not. 
And I think, and same person brought up the other name that's gotten a lot of praise lately is Ben Johnson and him. And I'm hearing a lot of Ben Johnson, uh, people. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, okay. I, 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 I just don't I know like, much about him. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's, no, it's impressive. I mean, he's done some really good things and he's, and he's worked, he, he's worked some, I, I just don't, you know, I, I like what Detroit's doing. I think Jared Goff hasn't turned the ball over in six weeks. Uh, and this is a guy who the Rams were so desperate to get rid of. They were willing to give up two first round picks, which by the way, it looks a lot worse than we thought it would. Uh, between what Denver is, uh, I mean, what Seattle's getting for the Denver pick and then, uh, same thing there with Detroit and Los Angeles, man. And we saw yeah. it with Houston with the Tunsil deal end up being a top pick. So, man, variance is wild. It seems yeah, to be I, favoring the the other team more so than the other late. I like Ben. I th- he's going to eventually be a head coach for sure. I just don't just like don't know that this is the cycle. If we're going to talk about D'Amico and all that, that just seems. I mean, it seems it, it seems very, very, very like. I don't know. I mean, it just seems it seems kind of quick uh, for yeah. Ben Johnson. Although sometimes sometimes it happens quick. Yeah, my game. Uh, I'm 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 Team D'Amico. Yep. Um, that's where I'm at. V Brown, Brown Chubby Bear, Mike Kafka. That's the guy. That was the. I mean, a lot of people was, in Kansas City felt like he was the. You know, that was the. It wasn't Bienemy. It was him. It wasn't Bienemy. It was Kafka. That's what that's what a lot of people thought, and and a lot of people in Kansas City will say, and, and I don't think they'll like say it publicly, um, that you know Kansas City wanted Bienemy uh, to go so that they could elevate Kafka, yep. but they wouldn't be able to do it. And the Giants, I thought it was a smart move by Dable and them to to offer him the OC job there. And I mean, I know, I know Dable has a big hand in it, but if you look at what Daniel Jones has done this year, and, and again, it's not like anything to write home about, but the way that they've done stuff, Kafka does look good. I like Mike Kafka. I don't know if he's ready either. Like, like Ben is, I don't know if he's ready. He might need to do a little bit more, but I mean, there's some people who thought that that was the, that was the Kansas city uh, assistant that, you know, kind of went under the radar because there was a big, there was a lot of buzz with the enemy. Yep. Right with you on that. Cal was with Dre and Rick Smith at the Rockets game the other night. I, I think there's – I mean, I'm, Dre doesn't want to be a coach or anything like that, but I think there's a place for him in this organization, no whatever doubt. whatever no title doubt. you want it to be. Just another point of view from yeah. Uh, from Dre. Yeah, for sure. Um, Rick Smith, though, I – look, like Cal and Rick Smith are buddies. Like, it's not – like, I wouldn't, like – Godfather I wouldn't read too kids. much into it. Like they, they're very close. Like yeah. uh, Rick Smith was very close with the McNairs. Rick Smith is in town. So, I mean, I wouldn't read a ton into that. I do find it interesting though, that Andre and them are spending a lot of time together. Um, yep. I wonder what Andre thinks about stuff, but yeah. And, he's, mean, and if he's going to give it to you unvarnished as well, I would love yeah. to be a fly on the wall when, when he gives his feedback, cause it's going to be just straight to the point. Yes. <laughs> yes. And which is probably what Cal needs to hear, if if we're being honest. So no doubt, no doubt. It's Cooks coming back. He just needs to stay off the field. We talked about that a little bit before, seems but like yeah, he's coming back. I you know I he, it seems like we might. How see much him. would it suck if he came back and just completely smashed and and they won four games behind Brandon Cooks' efforts? <laughs> that God. was funny. God. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I, Did you see the line on the game now? By the way. 
saw minus three that about an hour ago. Three. But you know, it's uh, Malik Willis time. So Dude, three. It, something's no. going on. This this it, feels like this feels like a Texans win. It's minus three. It's going to be what minus five degrees at game time. Um, Malik Willis didn't even throw the ball in the second half the last time they played against Houston. Malik so. Collins didn't play either. So no, that's what Lovey was talking about. You got your big uh, psycho in the middle. Malik Collins is nuts out there, by the way. He's been playing his ass off this past ever since coming back from injury. The dude's been just—he's a monster. He's, he's a good been piece, very good, and he's good really piece. coming to his own. He's under contract next year, so good to have like him it. back. And that's that's one of the one of the positive contracts that that Casario and company has has on the books. So definitely excited about that. Um, let's see here. I think Titus gets extended or plays on the fifth year. So we kind of briefly touched that before. I th- I don't think there's a wrong answer, really. It just depends on how much you want to invest at the position. But I don't think there's any problem with waiting on that extension. And then if he continues playing well at right tackle, you do a midseason extension next year. You'll have the you know, assuming he doesn't cap, they don't push the cap again like they did this year, and have to uh, do some in season restructure. So hopefully they have some available cap dollars heading into the season for that type of situation where you get eight nine games into the season. Howard's still playing well; he's still progressing. Then you pull the trigger on the on the deal and 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 get that get that done because I don't really envision him as a franchise tag kind of player. He's not a marquee type of right tackle, but he's very capable and he gets the job done and he's not a reason why you have issues on the offensive line. So, and then for not even close. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that would be, that's how I would kind of play it out. I mean, it, if you didn't want to do the extension, then look at it during the season. Uh, Toriano is a baller. Man, he's quietly becoming a, a a solid day three pick for a, a fifth rounder. I, I was I was quite a bit leery on Catariano based on what we you know he was injured all through camp. Didn't really seem like I thought he was going to be redshirted. To be honest with you, I thought he was not going to. I thought he was going to stay on IR all year. But he's quietly he's he's a good blocker. Um, he's a willing blocker, except for this past week. But for most weeks, he's been a. He's going to get a, big. Yeah, and he's he's still growing, and he's gonna work his ass off. He seems like a really, really, really good kid. Like, uh, and I and I feel like I can call him a kid at this point. I feel like I'm getting to the age, you know, late thirties. <laughs> you're where getting old can, enough to where you can call him a kid. Yeah, I mean, twenty two. Yeah, I mean, like he was, uh, he was sixteen years younger. So I had my driver's license, I think, when he was born. So yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, but he, he seems like a hard worker. I think the, the body I'm always fascinated by the body transformation from like rookies to when you see him in mini camp and training camp, like the next year, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys where you look at him and damn, look at, look at, look at Quinteriano and look how big that dude got. I think that's what he's going to be. He's a good depth guy. Like, I don't, I don't know yeah. that he's going to be, you he's know, your, yeah. He'll be your tight end three end line blocker that can sneak out. Yeah. Get a few and you need multiple tight ends. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, any system can't have enough. Need, multi- need tight ends. And I think you'll have him back. And I think 
Brevin Jordan might Ooh. be around next year for camp. He had his best catch of his career. That was a nice yeah. uh, catch in traffic. I would say yeah, that was the best. I don't see any reason why you would let go of Brevin Jordan in the offseason. He's Oscar fighting league. for his NFL life, though. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He'll He's you know, fighting bring it for back his for NFL camp life. and see if he can do – and, you know, he's kind of that – that training camp fraud. He he does well in camp, and then it just goes downhill once the season starts. But he's he's going to be a guy where if if it doesn't work out for him, then he's going to be a guy who, you know, maybe someone has a if if it, someone has like a I don't know linebacker or D lineman that they don't like or a wide receiver that they don't like that has maybe some potential, and maybe you swap out Brevin Jordan for that guy or. He makes your team, and he's kind of like one of those depth tight ends. But, I mean, he doesn't block very well. He's not. He doesn't consistently catch the ball. Um, he's got potential to make the phenomenal play, um, and he also has potential to screw up the basic play. So, man, Brevin's going to be fighting for his NFL life next year. It's it's similar to Ross Blacklock. Uh you know, it's kind of like how Blacklock in year three, we thought he was doing that. That's what that's what Brevin's going to be doing. Although, obviously, Blacklock was more of a premier pick. So if a fifth round guy doesn't make it on your roster in year three, not the end of the world. But let, let me put it this way. He's not going to stop them from trying to improve the tight end position. Like they're not going to say, oh, well, we got Brevin Jordan. He's going to have to he's going to have to earn his spot next year. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think. Go ahead and bring back uh, Jordan Akins, one-year deal. You think? And uh, yeah, I think so. I think he's earned the right to at least earn the right get a get a small guarantee and you know come back and see if he can continue on in camp and earn another roster spot. OJ Howard, no, thank you. Bye. And uh, yeah, um, let's see here. This was a, a an interesting question. So, do we worry about constant chance? No, it's kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves with it, but it's an interesting talking point. So, worry about changing OC over and over if you had D'Amico in there. To me, if you're funneling coaches out that are turning into head coaches, then you've got a heck of a pipeline. You've got a heck of a system in place. Is Kyle Shanahan yeah. worried about shuffling D-line? Uh no. defensive coordinators like if robert sala gets the jets job and then two years yeah. later D'Amico gets the 49ers job i don't think that's like a problem i think that's a good thing yeah exactly let's see here free agent talk elgin elgerton jenkins at right guard yeah so let me throw this up on the screen here let's see here yeah so i had a couple of questions as well on uh on Twitter for a couple of folks that couldn't make it for the live show. And one of the questions was what kind of free agency moves could the team look at when it comes to interior offensive line? And I throw up here. This is a, this is the back end, uh, the, the premium view on, on over the cap. And this is the valuation tables. And so I've got it sorted by uh, free agents and then their, their positional value. So this positional value is basically our way of putting a dollar figure on a player's value. And it uses PFF grading and some other metrics to come up with this number. It's just a different way to put a, a value on a player. You know, PFF has grades, you know, we have the dollar values. And so I think, and you're not going to see Jenkins on here for the, for the person who was interested in that, because we have him 
as a tackle. I know he's playing guard now for Green Bay, but his initial contract was a tackle. But this is just kind of to highlight how barren the interior offensive line. This is just right guard and left guards. Center's even worse. There's really not much names once you get past Ben Powers and, and Dalton Risner, who had his fifth-year option decline. He was originally a tackle as well. Roger Saffold is very old. Will Hernandez is very old. And then, look, David Questenberry. We know him. And so I think you get into players like Nate Davis and stuff. I, there's just really not that much out there when it comes to right guard and left guard. And I really don't know how the team would address this position. I think A.J. Can is, is serviceable. I think where the team really could benefit – is if they find a center, whether it's a center who comes out of the draft or comes out of free agency. Because I think finding a good center will make A.J. Can and Kenyon Green better guards. And I think that's the key component that, that the team needs to look at. And so I think the players that are going to probably be the more the most interesting will be Connor McGovern, who's he's a little bit older, but he's on a he's on that uh He's very good in his own scheme. So a lot of these players are very scheme driven, just like Garrett Bradbury. He's a very he's a zone a zone type of center. And then Bradley Bozeman, I think, is another player to look at, and he's more of a power guy. So beyond that, there's really not many centers out there that are gonna they're gonna drive a lot of costs. Jake Brindle is another another zone guy. So it really depends on the type of scheme, what kind of offensive offensive system is put in place here but i think for interior offensive line i think center is the place where casario really needs to try to make some hay whether it's through draft or through free agency um you know just a brit i think think we're all in agreement he'll be gone and then questionberry i don't see he'll be gone or is gone yeah yeah, well he is kind of already gone still technically under contract but um so, I mean, that would kind of be, just to answer that question, that would be my my take on the situation, that it's kind of barren out there when it comes to those two positions, but you're going to have to do something, and I think the key spot would be center. Yeah, I mean, you got to do something there. Yeah. Have to. Let's see here. Any position coaches other than Frank Cross you'd want to retain? No. <laughs> No, I don't think there's uh, anybody else. I mean, I don't have a real strong opinion on no. that. No. Somebody was asking what a Titus, Titus extension would look like. I'll get into that in the offseason. Um, I think I'll probably do a, a show just just on that. And then did Lovey, Lovey save his job because of the last two games? No. No. I'd, I, I can see the sentiment from that, but uh, no, I, I don't see that happening so what is this here you dropped a couple of bombs in regards to the head coach of the texans may need a late texans twitter space i don't know what bombs we dropped i think what's the bomb yeah i think we the things we've been talking about here have been uh been well over which i don't have any bomb these are just opinions i don't have any like i don't have any news or anything for you position group would you expect to have the biggest turnover next year that's a that's an interesting question wide receiver Wide receiver, yes. I think the second, you know, safety position, but I think the secondary, for for the most part, 
if you can get Tavier Thomas and, and Tremont Smith back, I think that's a at a safety. Pretty solid, yeah, pretty. I solid think it's player. wide receiver. I could see a scenario where linebackers, uh, depending on how you look at that, but uh, it's definitely wide receiver. You, I mean, yeah, if if they move Cooks and then either draft or sign a guy, you know, the wide receiver for each, he's going to be a little little barren as well. But and I the, think does Mechie count too? Like yeah. I guess Mechie. Okay, so yeah, so you're going to get Mechie. Um, you're going to be in position where you might be able to get the best wide receiver with your second pick uh, in the draft, depending on how Cleveland uh, finishes out. Um, so yeah, wide out. I don't know if Rogers is back or not. Um, Dorsett. Okay. Um, so yeah, wide out, maybe tight end. I could see, I could see a scenario where Roger yeah. and, and Amari Rogers is under contract through. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Rogers is back. Yes. Yeah. So, but there's no guarantees he's on the team. No, no, and his contract has no guarantees in it or anything like that. But I, you know, he'll be back in camp at, at a minimum and have a shot at this roster. But yeah, I think linebacker and wide receiver definitely would be the two, and maybe defensive line. Yeah, you know, I think running back's gonna. I mean, you're gonna have a couple new faces, but Pierce is gonna be one of the. One yeah, of the I don't. Dogs. Running back's gonna be really interesting because we, you know, we've talked about it on here. There's a couple of good running backs that are gonna be. A, in the in the draft late in the first round early second round i haven't really looked at any names that would be potential late day two early day three picks kind of like what pierce was but this free agency class for for running back is something to uh to keep an eye on um you're gonna have some pretty big names and I, i'm not big on running backs and free agency I you think, hate running backs i think let's be honest <laughs> I think that's a kind of a kind of a waste of money and you know, you're going to be paying market value for a player who's going to have a lot of tread on there, but there's a Tony couple Pollard doesn't have a lot of tread. Yeah. That's what that was going to be the one, ex, one exception. I think, um, you know, Saquon Barkley, I think he'll have, he's got, a, he's had a lot of work on him. Kareem, Kareem yeah. Kareem Hunt's a little bit older. Jamal yeah. Williams, the touchdown King up in Detroit, Josh Jacobs, who's been run, run hard in uh, Las Vegas. And so, hey, De- Deontay Foreman's going to be free agent. Good for him. Um, but, yeah, just I would rather go young, obviously, but I'm not completely opposed to, like, a Tony Pollard type player. Tony Pollard and Damian Pierce would be a very fun 1A, 1B duo situation. Country as hell, too. That's what I like. I just like how country they both are. Yeah, and, and Georgia and that, Memphis sign me up for that. Yeah, and has I think, and that's what we're talking about. Truth, I think he's not like a Pierce is not a true bell cow RB one. He's a no. he's a one A one B kind of guy. I think if yeah. you can get another, whether it's through the draft or or through free agency, I think it's definitely worth having another strong running back back there, and then whoever RB three RB four is special teams work like that anybody not named rex parkhead <laughs> but uh no that's that's man we covered a lot of ground tonight that's really about all i had we're an hour and 24 minutes so that's got to be a new record and uh it's Bijan robinson viable with the browns pick i think we're I, getting I, to I, the I, we're getting no. to the areas cap and i know i know how you i know how you feel about it 
Hey, I, I, I gave a, I gave in a little bit last week. If it, if it goes to, if, if we get to the Browns having the 15 or 16 and Bijan Robinson's there at 15 or 16, you might just have to do it. You might, you might just have to do it. You might just have would, to do it, Cap. I would, I would squirm a little bit, but I'll, I'll I would accept it. I just, you should throw I a party if you, if you're at 15 or 16 and you get Bijan Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, I've already. That's a slot already, receiver. That's a running back. That's a Pierce rest. I mean, you could do some wonders with that. Yep, I agree. So you you show some respect, Cap, to him. This was, hey man, you you brought it today. You 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 were you were ready to go. I, I try, sir. I try. You always try. You always do a great job. No, I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody. A lot of good interaction tonight, man. I love the interaction from the folks. Uh, appreciate all the comments and the questions. Uh, you know, we'll keep this going. Be back next week again. I think so. I don't think there's. By the any- way, I saw Cap having a. Uh, what's it called? Whenever druggies don't get what they what they need, like what's it called? The it's fix. a huh? The fix or whatever. No, no, no. What's it called when they like start shaking? Withdrawal. I saw Cap in the press box having withdrawals. Uh, I was worried they about have him. a chat with Omar, man. Not they didn't have Coke. Coke Zero there for a little bit. I mean, my I found, man was sweating. I found, I found one machine over over in the corner that had a few Coke Zeros, and uh, my man was stuff. sweating without that Coke Zero. Good lord! I, I yeah, I was good though. I I sent a. I got I got my Coke Zero. I was. I was much better after that. He was, he was, I need to have a chat with Omar. Get that fixed. It was going like this. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad, but I was complaining, and that was. Where's enough. the Coke Zero? Yeah. Where's, Where's the at? Coke Zero? Where's it at? Where can I find it? Yeah. Hey, anyone got some Coke Zero? <laughs> I like my Coke Zero. Anyone got the Coke Zero? Where's it at? Oh my god! I'm gonna go get some. Let's oh, go in the corner man. or something like that, yeah. man. Yeah. See me disappear for a while over there. <laughs> straight in the vein um no <laughs> yeah show is highlights my wednesdays we're glad glad you're here with us um a lot of fun doing these and we'll definitely be back next wednesday and continue on as much as we can um got a lot of off-season uh, a lot of off-season stuff we're in the works i'm really excited about that and uh i think that'll be fun for a lot of folks a lot of peaks peaks behind the the, the curtains show some uh some documents and information that you normally wouldn't see publicly and go through some contract projections, things like that. So we got a lot of fun stuff. I even got a player agent lined up. We'll do a, a faux oh, contract, wow. a faux contract negotiation live here on, oh, wow. on the channel. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Sign me up for that. And uh, Yeah. So it'll be a lot going on, but we've got three more games. See if uh, we can get some more competitive losses. I, I'd rather have a competitive loss. I don't think, any kind of competitive loss would change the mindset of, of upper management with regards to Lovey Smith. So I'd rather see some competitive games and then have them end up being a loss and rake in that, that number one pick and get heavy into the off season. So Landry, sir, I appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Hope you, have a, uh, hope you have a fantastic holiday. Good Christmas. And you uh, too. We will see everybody back next weekend. So with that, we will shut it down and everybody have a good evening. Thank you.